0: hello and welcome to the stateside madness podcast the one and only podcast of the official madness american fan service i'm laurie along with my co-host polly here to bring you news reviews and deep dives into the nutty sound of the british pop band madness
1: But that's quite all right
0: Back to Stateside Madness, the podcast by American Madness fans for American Madness fans. I'm Lori.
2: And I'm Polly.
0: And this is going to be our second episode on Suggs, the man himself. That last episode was a lot of fun, though, wasn't it? I what did you think of that one?
2: No, I I, I had fun as always. Um Uh, You know, it's nice. It's it's fun talking about Suggs, Uh, clearly the most identifiable member of the band. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. He's an interesting guy. And I'm happy to talk a little bit more today.
0: Yeah. So specifically for for American fans who really probably don't know a lot about the man. Uh, I mean, if if Suggs were to walk down the street in New York City or in Chicago or in L.A., he might be recognized by a small handful of people, but he's really not the kind of celebrity that he is in his native country. And he's really well known for a, a lot of things, not just for being the lead singer of Madness. So a lot of what we're gonna talk about today are gonna be some of uh, some of the projects and stuff that he's done that uh, have not been available to American fans. So a lot of this will be new to a lot of our fans. Now, obviously those of you listening from the UK, you'll be like, oh, I already knew about that. Well, you know, what can I say? There's not much we can do about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: so where we last left it was uh 86 madness had broken up right around the time madness were breaking up there was a a, a collaboration uh Suggs and chas smash they did a little one-off single under the name the fink brothers do you know anything about the fink brothers polly I always put you on the spot with this stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, do you, do you remember J- Judge Dredd?
2: Oh, I remember Judge Dredd. Yeah. Um, both versions, both the comic book and uh, the Prince Buster uh, sort of pseudonym. Uh, yeah, so um, the Fake Brothers were, you know, uh, uh, arch enemies of, of Judge Dredd
0: yeah and uh they were cannibals at least that's I, I only know the sylvester stallone movie from 95 so but but yeah they were they were cannibals uh there was they were members of the angel gang a vicious band of hillbilly mutants from the wasteland outside mega city one and sworn enemies of judge dread not least because he killed most of their family so uh sugs and chas smash became the, the alter egos, Angel and Ratty Fink, named after this. these comic book characters. Um, incidentally, you know who had a cameo in the Sylvester Stallone movie, Judge
2: Dredd? Uh, I'm going to... Oh, Ashley's right there in your notes. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, I, I was going to guess it would be between Tom Waits, Let Me Kill Mister, or Ian Drury.
0: <laughs> okay, well, your third guest would have been correct. Ian Dury, uh played in an arms dealer named Geiger. It was a very short role. He did have a, a funny one-liner, though. Um, and Ian Drury, for Americans who might not know, um, is a British songwriter and singer, and he was very very influential uh on the band madness um they, they they cite him as one of their influences so the fink brothers released one and only single entitled mutants in mega city one and this was released in 85. do you want to hear it are you sure I do. are you sure
2: I'm very sure. I'm very sure. <laughs>
0: okay, let's play it. up Earthlets? that this was Suggs and Chaz Smash, I don't think that this song, it would ever would have registered to me that I knew who, the, who this was, you know? I mean, it's just so completely different from everything that they have done. It's kind of bizarre.
2: No, it, it's a pretty forgettable um, song. And uh, yeah, the movie wasn't that great. Uh, so, you know, nothing to support it.
0: Well, you know the movie wasn't until 95 so i mean this was they were obviously inspired by the comic books right they couldn't have been inspired by the movie uh, the, the video was like the break dancers and and it's just oh, okay i guess it's good that they got it out of their systems but um i think <laughs> really only the absolute diehard collectors would have would have snagged the song I, that's my guess
2: uh so also uh, uh post madness uh more uh already <laughs> it's
0: all words. right
2: uh also post madness um Suggs became quite uh sort of like a valuable player hot commodity uh for guesting on things um and and one uh fairly successful collaboration was uh work he did with Morrissey uh, he did some additional vocals for Piccadilly palair Am I getting that right? <laughs> Here's where all the British British uh, uh, listeners start laughing at us. Um, so he did that in 1990, and also uh, Sing Your Life in 1991, and uh, later on, um, Suggs would do a cover of uh, Morrissey's Suedehead uh, in 1993, and of course, Suedehead being, uh, you know, a very very recognizable uh, Morrissey song. And I would just say that uh, I really love, love, love that matching of Suggs and Morrissey. Morrissey clearly, um, you know, another one of those uh, British songwriters that talks more about existence in the UK and uh, that slice of life type of stuff that I talk so so much about. So I really love seeing them together and uh, they did some really solid work. Anything else, Lori? How about another collaboration?
0: All right, so another collaboration that might be well known to American listeners was a, a band called The Farm. Um, they had some pretty substantial airplay here in the States in about ninety, ninety-one. 91. Uh, so Socks had produced a one-off single for them called Hearts and Minds way back in 84. But after uh, the Split of Madness, he, he really kind of became their producer and I believe even their co-manager. So he produced their album Spartacus in 91 and Love See No Color in 92. And if you listen to the radio at all in the early months of 1991, you could not avoid the farm. The, the song that I think got the most airplay was probably Groovy Train, which we're going to listen to a little bit of here. Um, so let's listen to Groovy Train.
2: You're so special. Oh, so special. Oh, so
1: special.
0: Get It's catchy, you know. Um I, it really kind of got lumped into I think the the Manchester scene You know with like the happy mondays and and the stone roses but the farm weren't from manchester they were from liverpool so it's interesting that it would get lumped in on that scene but uh that's one thing that i think uh that he's done that many american fans would know and then there was another collaboration that he did with uh jules holland and his rhythm and blues orchestra jules holland is a british uh he's a tv host isn't he uh, he hosts like music programs and stuff, and I guess he must have had his own little side orchestra. I, I mean, I guess that's kind of like you know, Doc Severinsen had his little side orchestra, right, from the the Johnny Carson show and stuff.
2: Sorta. Of. Mm.
0: Okay, correct me.
2: So, uh, so Jules um, Holland was uh, uh, piano player and keyboardist for the Squeeze and um he was sort of yeah yeah he's sort of the musician's musician or you know one of them uh you know he takes it uh very seriously very very skilled and boogie woogie piano and um he kind of carries the torch he's very instrumental pardon the pun instrumental in um and sort of fostering and supporting music acts in the UK. And so, yes, he did have his uh, Jules Holland uh, television program later um, on BBC. And uh, it is sort of showcased every, every week, uh, you know, six or eight different uh, uh, bands that would play all on the same soundstage. So it was really cool. You would end up seeing, uh, you know, Depeche Mode maybe, uh, playing, uh, five, uh, 15 feet away from, uh, a metal band. It was really a pretty cool show. Jules Holland just plays, uh, on a ton, a ton of people's work. He's played with Dr. John. Um, he's, he's a really in-demand session musician. And so he's done a rhythm in blues orchestra. He's done a ska orchestra, uh, you know, these big 20, 25, uh, piece bands. That will do a lot in the way of standards and will do um, a little bit in the way of original music as well, which I do believe the two things he's done um with Suggs were uh, both written by him and Suggs so there you go that's that's what I have to add on Jules Holland
0: I thought you didn't do research you that just all came just out of your that was just out of your head huh?
2: Uh, Yes, uh, uh, that's right.
0: Wow. Okay. Well, thank you for for educating me. I did not realize that he was that uh, prolific. And we will listen to one of the songs that Suggs co-wrote with uh, Jules Holland later on today. All right. So this is kind of where this is not going to really be in chronological order. Because Madness get back together right around this time, about 92 However, Suggs continues to work on a number of solo and side projects. So he had a few uh, solo albums and again I don't think any of these were released in the United States. So he did a solo album called The Lone Ranger in 1995 and most of the songs on that album were written by Suggs with Mike Barson. So again his madness is back together with Mike Barson that songwriting collaboration continued not only with Madness, but also with Suggs's solo work. Uh, he released a Christmas EP in December of 95. We heard one song from that Christmas EP last episode, that sleigh ride that you played. Um, then there was the Three Pyramids Club in 1998. And now this is a new writing partnership. So most of the songs on the Three Pyramids Club were written by Suggs with Steve Laroni from Altered Images. And that might account for why I think there's a very different sound in the songs between the Lone Ranger and the Three Pyramids Club. <laughs> that I think he was best known for was from the soundtrack of the movie The Avengers. Now I'm not talking Marvel's the Avengers. I mean The Avengers with Mrs. Peel, the old British uh, uh, detective show. I, I don't know what would you classify it? It's not really a detective show. It's like an adventure kind of James Bondish kind of team. yeah yeah And, and yeah so it's,
2: it's spy, spy adventure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Um, so he did the theme song for that, which we, uh, heard a little bit of in the previous episode. It's called, I Am. We'll hear a little bit more of it later today. Um, so then as far as his solo works are concerned, so he released then a, a best of platinum collection in 2007, which really kind of had the best of the other two albums and a few other little one-off singles. And then in 2013, he released something called the Sug Selection which is interesting because none of the songs on the album actually feature Suggs. Uh, it was mostly uh, curated three disc collection of songs that he liked and I, I guess he worked as a DJ for a while on a radio station. So maybe that's what inspired this uh, Sug selection. I was kind of disappointed listening to it cause there was no Subs, but I don't know, it's just me. All right, so, boy, he did more than than just just recording, though, didn't he? I mean, he was at, he was an actor.
2: And so, you know, along with uh, his his solo uh, music work, uh, he also had uh, enough time to you know dabble in acting, and he actually has a pretty uh, extensive list of of uh, films and television he's appeared in, uh, starting out with uh, nineteen eighty nine. He played himself in the movie The Tall Guy with Jeff Goldblum, uh, appearance on a kids show, The Press Gang. He starred uh, in a Channel 4 film, The Final Frame, in 1990, in which he played a pop star named East, so uh, comfortable territory there. Played Rex in the film Doko Breaking My Heart in 1999. Uh, He also played Joe's dad in the stage musical Our House in London's West End. So uh, good on him for that. Uh, Familiar territory. Uh, He was also in The Edge of Love, 2008, playing a crooner uh, and sang Hang Out the Stars in Indiana. Uh, So again, uh, playing to form. uh, Suggs, My Life Story in Words and Music, the live stage show, 2017, which Regrettably, I never got a chance to see um, and I bet I would love every minute of it though. And that sucks. Uh, What a King C-nut. A Life in the Realm of Madness live stage show. Uh, I don't know whether it ever happened or um, pre-pandemic but it's certainly been postponed and they're hoping resumes in
0: 2021. So you know, I was doing a little bit of digging this morning, and um, the the 2017 show, My Life Story in Words and Music, Julian Temple actually filmed that, and that was supposed to have been a film that was released in January 2018, but I couldn't find anything on whether or not it was actually released, uh, I mean, obviously it's not on DVD, I, I if it was released, it must have been a very limited release in Britain, but that might be an interesting uh, film to try and get a hold of.
2: Yeah, it, it's on Amazon right now, actually. It was on my Christmas Is it? Lift, list.
0: Is it really? Yeah. I'm just going to let you write these episodes. Yes, you but I didn't get I it. <gasps> <laughs> well, then then we know you weren't very good.
2: It's okay. I, I got the talking heads stop making sense, so I nice. did all right.
0: Nice, that's a good one um so the the what a king Canute that I know because uh, I have some friends in Britain that had gone to see that, so I know that the stage show did start uh but yeah, I think it was postponed because of the pandemic and uh, oh do you
2: want me to reread that
0: uh if you'd like to if you'd rather I do said see nut i think i never
2: I never heard it pronounced
0: well, well see that's where there's some debate right so it's like there was a a norwegian king knut k-n-u-t i don't know if that's how it's being pronounced or not i mean obviously this is uh transposing the letters so as not to get in trouble for having an obscene four-letter word so i yeah, i'm fine with c-nut we'll leave that in <laughs> <laughs>
1: The full equation of good versus bad The terror of knowing all that we've had Has to be paid for in the long run Books, balance, justice seem to be done Oh yeah, sure, conscience and all of that stuff We'll sort that out later, you've time enough Right now you must realise that not much is fair
0: Um, and then the Our House musical, did you ever have an opportunity to see any of the videos of of this Our House musical, or do you know anything about it? No. You know, they tried to do the the same way they did with, like, Mamma Mia with ABBA songs, you know, to try and put these all in a musical. And it's just awful. It, 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 it reminds me of an ABC after school special. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to be blowing up my email for that and tell me, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I tried to watch the videos of it on YouTube. Oh, I mean, the music is great, but the plot is just terrible. I mean, even for musical theater, it's, it's pretty bad. So don't at me. <laughs> so, um, in addition to his screen and stage, acting. Uh, Suggs also made a bit of a name for himself over in Britain as a television host. He hosted a karaoke style show called Night Fever. Uh, he was in a few episodes of a show called Salvage Squad, which was about restoring classic cars and machinery. And he hosted a show that I actually kind of, I, I, a friend bootlegged it for me. I thought it was very good. It was called Disappearing London, uh, where he's kind of taking, taking you on a tour. It's like a travel channel style show of different places in London and kind of, you know, telling you all of the the stories, not the stories that you would get on a tour, but like, you know, the insider stories. Um, I thought that was really well done. That was a really cool, cool series. I'd love for them to pick it up over here.
1: Once round on circus, up through Petticoat Lane past the well of shadows and once back around again arm in arm with an abstracted air to where the people stare out at the upstairs windows because we are living like kings and these days will last forever
0: uh, speaking of which then he also wrote a book called Suggs in the City, My Journeys Through Disappearing London which is kind of based on that series, I believe. He had his autobiography, That Close, which came out in 2013. And then he contributed to Before We Was We, The Making of Madness, which came out in 2019. That's another book. And that was all seven members of the band contributing to an oral history. Um, I'm an avid reader, so I've read all of these. quite frankly, it's interesting to me, the two books, Suggs in the City and That Close, the two books that Suggs authored, have a very different voice and a very different tone. Uh, I suspect that he probably used a different ghostwriter on these two different books. I really, I liked Suggs in the City a lot better. I, I like, it was a lot more engaging and interesting to me, but uh, have you had a chance to read any of these, Polly?
2: No, I, I haven't. Um although I'm an avid reader, it's uh, generally not of long form text. So yeah, so it's on my list of stuff to get done.
0: So all of this was going on after Madness had regrouped, right? They regrouped in 1992 for Madstock, but that's another story for another episode. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so, uh, we've put together a, a sort of uh, list of uh, facts about SUGs you might not have been aware of, and we're going to call this segment, Don't Quote Me on That. So All right, and so here are some alternative facts about Suggs. Michael Jackson invented the moonwalk after meeting Suggs backstage at the 1982 VMAs, and he felt the need to back away from Suggs without breaking eye contact. Twyla Tharp once choreographed a ballet called Suggs, where the dancers wore sunglasses, sharp suits, and only moved their arms below the elbow. Louisa May Alcott originally named the Sisters of Little Women Suggs, 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 and Suggs, but her editor was a jerk. Suggs is a linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs. Suggs has one word for snow, it's snow. Suggs often credits his success to only eating orange food. And Suggs never asks twice.
0: something a little bit different here for the top five. So in the past, we've limited it to songs that the person has written or co-written. But because we feel like many Americans will not have heard a lot of Suggs's solo work, Polly and I kind of decided to waive that rule. So we decided that we're going to pick our top five of Suggs' uh, solo projects, regardless of who wrote them. And there's a few cover versions in here as well. So, Polly, do you want to start us off with your number five?
2: Sure. Uh, so, my number five is Suggs's ode to his hometown, his neighborhood. It's Camden Town.
1: And they're coming down the street Please there's punch we brand new Dr. Martin's on their feet Past those of leather jackets Old brick a brack Indians and Nazis Or a Chinese bobble hat Tramps stare in the window What the local butcher shop Like a pack of wild dogs They'd run up with the lot And Primozilla, an angry man His hair standing on end Shouts and rants in the ear Of his imaginary friend In Camden Town I'll meet you by the underground In Camden Town We we'll
2: so, um, uh, Camden Town, uh, I love the song. It's, it's, uh, nice. It's, uh, sentimental. It's, uh, many things that I've talked about uh, liking uh, in songs, uh, but I have a bit of, and just a little bit, of a personal connection um, in that uh, today is Boxing Day. And uh, on the 24th of December, a couple of years ago, uh, I was in London, and we made a special trip to Camden Town, me to go to a punk record shop, and the shop ended up being closed, I was very disappointed. Um, So we spent most of the time just walking around Camden Town going to whatever shops we could go to. And I was lucky enough to find a record store open, it kind of made me feel a little bit better. And I was able to pick up a copy of Prince Buster's Golden Oldies, uh, Volume One, which made me really super happy. And I just loved seeing Camden Town. Uh, We had been right in London proper, right at Hyde Park, and it was posh, and it was, it's, you know, it's thing, just like you'd expect. But Camden Town felt like where I should have been the whole time. Uh, Definitely uh, an eclectic uh, part of the city, a lot in the way of pubs. Uh, great vibes, street markets. Um, it just seemed really, really cool. This was also a lot closer to the time after Amy Winehouse had died. And um, there was much merchandise and much uh, representation of her around, which I thought was really, really nice. She's, she's a hometown hero, just like uh, madness. So there you go. There's my fondness for Camden town, the song and the, and the town.
0: Well, that's a cool story and I forgot that Amy Winehouse was from Camden Town as well man this is not the only band from there I think it's interesting how this song kind of foreshadows a little bit what we're about to see in Liberty of Norton Folgate." that idea of kind of uh, uh, songs about locales and places I think it's a little bit of foreshadowing there all right well my number five is a cover so it's not written by Suggs It's a cover of the old Simon and Garfunkel song, Cecilia. Let's take a listen.
1: Cecilia, you're breaking my heart. You're shaking my confidence daily. Oh, Cecilia.
0: i think it's it's unique it's it's a very unique spin on the song i mean it's a song that i grew up hearing you know uh simon and garfunkel 70s right uh that's why i chose it because i think it's got such a unique spin on it i i don't think it's better than the original uh i definitely prefer the original but i still think it's kind of a cool cover any thoughts on that one polly
2: uh, I think you did a fine job. Uh, the updated instrumentation on it makes it um, a, a, a bit better for me. I just happen to not be uh, a big fan of Paul Simon or much in the way of the folk uh, singer-songwriter stuff. That's probably my, my desire to be a brash young punk uh, when I was a kid. Uh, not that I was successful at it, but we all got our dreams, right? Uh, So yeah, I know I could take it or leave it.
0: Well, what was your number four pick then Polly.
2: Okay. Uh, So my number four pick was so tired. Uh, One of the songs that uh, Suggs had written with Steve Laroni. And let's take a listen. So, I, I, I'm generally a fan of the Suggs' uh, solo work. Um, I think uh, the vast majority of its upbeat, uh, like you had mentioned, the Madchester uh, music scene. I think this is a little bit of a holdover from stuff like that. This reminds me a, gr- a great deal. Um, the in- all of the instrumentation on that uh, solo album reminds me a great deal of like the Primal Scream, and uh happy mondays black grape stuff like that um it's taking your basic five piece rock band structure adding a lot in the way of percussion uh keyboards horns uh i think it really flushes it out fills it out and uh i just love the song what are your thoughts on so tired
0: I got nothing to add. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it's an okay song. It, it's not, it's not as memorable as some of the others. This one wouldn't have been uh, top of mind for me. If you'd said, you know, Hey, name your top songs by Suggs. This, this would not have been one of them. Not because it's bad. Uh, it's just not as memorable to me as some of his other compositions. So. And what about you? What's your number four? Well, I, I, I really struggled with this one. Uh, I chose the Three Pyramids Club, which is on the same album, uh, same songwriters, Suggs with uh, Steve Laroni. So let's take a listen to that one. how we can have two songs on the same album with two songwriters and have them sound so different. I chose this one because I, I it's got just kind of a like almost a retro James Bondy kind of feel like there's some kind of like I don't know how to explain it. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for what the words I want are but I mean it just kind of got this kind of dark almost like film noir kind of undertone to it. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I've got the word for you. Okay. It, it, it's Casablanca. Yeah, it's it's that uh, it's that nightclub kind of at the end of the world sort of thing. Ooh. Where all the scoundrels and ne'er do wells go and collect there. That that's kind of my take on the on the song.
0: I like that. I like that. You know, kind of related. Uh, Santa brought me because we finally got a Blu-ray player. We're finally in modern times. Santa brought brought me uh, the Mummy trilogy on on Blu-ray. And I had never seen uh, the third one in the trilogy, which was uh, the Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And the part that I just loved and kept coming back to was uh, the fact that Jonathan... Owns a nightclub in China called Imhoteps with an Egyptian kind of theme. And all of the dancers are, are dressed in like Egyptian garb. And that's the kind of thing that I visualize when I hear this song. You know, again, you mentioned Casablanca, that kind of a seedy club kind of thing. And, and that's kind of what I'm picturing. It's like slightly out of place, right? You don't expect Egypt in the middle of China. But that, you know, again, you mentioned the ne'er-do-wells, you know, kind of the bad element that tends to congregate in these kind of places. It's got that kind of a vibe. Yeah, and I, a
2: real solid song.
0: It is, definitely. I agree. Okay, let's move on. Number three. Polly, what's your number three?
2: All right. Uh, so my number three, also off the Three Pyramids album, was Girl. For the girls, I'm an old man of the millennium sheer and the two thousand figure. So laurie what's your take on that
0: i don't have one <laughs> I, I I haven't listened to it enough to really be able to appreciate it I don't think. Tell me why you chose it
2: no, I just i love 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 the upbeat stuff and I think that sometimes uh, and we talked we talked about this a bit and how um, on Mad Not Mad, I was not a fan of introducing too many, uh, I think I was referring to aphrodisiac and how uh, they became very, very prominent and up in front on a lot of those songs and how sometimes you lose your identity a little bit in that. When you've got somebody that you like songs, uh embarking on a solo album and essentially a tabula rasa, you know, here's, you know, go ahead, do what you're gonna do. Inviting people in really adds a great deal to it i think in this circumstance and i think it's you know real dance hall thumper i just i don't know i think there's a lot to like there
0: cool very cool
2: and and what do you got what's your number three Lori?
0: well i chose oranges and lemons again which suggs recorded with jules holland in his rhythm and blues orchestra and you talked so eloquently about jules holland earlier in this episode uh let's give this one a listen
1: crooked leg, the crooked mile The hotel lift and the menacing smile The energy of a an itinerant child To catch a glimpse of Mr Oscar Wilde Waterborne, south end on sea Twisted bend, disability Lord up, Mr Bow and Richard III With the most unroyal mouth that you've ever heard He's never gonna do it, oh he has an all They're smiling politely but they're really appalled And it's turned out oranges and lemons again All three bells in a row
0: The reason I chose this one, not only because I think it's it's a, a decent song, is because this was written by Suggs and Jules Holland, but it's very clearly about Ian Dury. So this is now the second time in this episode that I'm mentioning Ian Dury. And uh, again, it's a shame that he's really uh, not known in America because he was a very, very talented um, songwriter, poet, if you will. I would love to do... Uh, an episode in the future specifically about Ian Dury. I'm still trying to talk Polly into it. I'm hoping that Polly will let us, because I think it's important to introduce, um, I think it's important to introduce American audiences to this man who was so influential to madness.
2: I, well, hey, uh, you never know. We might f- we might find time to do it. Uh, okay. Wouldn't say we we're going to run, we're, we're, it's, not, it's not like we can talk, forever and ever without repeating ourselves so yeah we'll, we'll find a way
0: and, and like we'll find a way to play Nightboat to Cairo again right
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's right
0: <laughs> but anyway that was Oranges and Lemons Polly what did you think of Oranges and Lemons again
2: I, I, I like the song uh, right off the bat the the title has a bit of an uh, old-timey sort of feel it it's it sounds like it could be you know, World War II era big band title. Um, I I like it. I think it's really really solid. Cool. And and I do love the expanded you know orchestra sound. Uh, so no, I like it. I think it's a real solid effort.
0: Awesome. All right. So your number two, Polly. I had to dig a little bit to find this one. I I never heard this particular mix before. Do you want to introduce this?
2: Sure. So. um, I picked uh, No More Alcohol. And the version I picked was uh, Rapino's 12-inch mix. If you uh, are online at any of the music streaming sites and they've got uh, either of Suggs' uh, solo albums, uh, they probably have that and a couple of other different versions. And I just think it's a very, very fun sort of party anthem. And uh, this mix is just super, super high energy, uh, fun, funny. uh, I I just think there's a lot to like there.
0: Let's listen to it. Stop your drinking. Stop your fighting.
1: Stop your pussy, Stop bad mining. Stop going, kid, When
0: I played this, Polly, I was just so floored. This is so completely unlike anything that you have chosen in any of our other episodes. That's why I emailed you in the middle of the night. I'm like... Is this the right version? <laughs> <laughs> you you have uh, very well-rounded tastes. Oh, well, thanks.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it strays pretty far from uh, punk, which was my gateway to madness, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know how you can not like it. It's just so fun.
0: You know, I was thinking a lot more about the, the whole punk thing. And I think punk enabled madness to do what they do because punk, it was that whole do it yourself ethos, right? The idea that you don't need to have music lessons, just strap on a guitar, create a band, right? And I think that that enabled madness to be what they are, but I don't think that their music was influenced by punk. You know what I mean? I think it, it, it's weird. It's kind of this, this uh, like fork in the road kind of thing, you know, where without punk, there wouldn't be madness. I don't think, but I don't think that madness were influenced by punk in the way that so many other bands were. I, you know, I, I think they kind of took it and, and just said, yeah, you know, we don't, we don't need razor blades and, 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 and spike Tarot. We don't need that crap. You know, am I wrong?
2: yeah i uh no you're not wrong um i think uh punk uh i think it's more about the ethos which i think might be the second or third time i've said ethos in this episode. it is but um it's yeah it's more <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it's more the diy thing i think is yeah. um uh what you hit hit at that's right and um But, you know, punk was very, very undefined at the beginning. And if you think of the bands that came out of CBGB's, um, who everybody really considers that as like ground zero of the origins of punk, you've got the Ramones, who are their archetypal punk band. You've got Blondie, who did a lot in the way of punk, were considered punk, but they were by, in all essence, a pop band. You've got Television, who was considered punk, but they were all, by all means, a, a, a jazz, rock, um, not prog, but, you know, they're clearly different. And then you have talking heads. I mean, punk was not, um, you know, a, a linear movement. Right at the beginning, it was already very eclectic. And so, yeah, I, I mean, the ska movement, was uh or the Sky revival movement was just a, one more offshoot of that so yeah i, I don't think defining uh, punk or putting too many parameters on it uh lends service to really what the whole movement was about
0: all right on that note let <laughs> do you want to hear my number 2 do you know do, do 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 you want me to introduce my number 2 oh that's right we were doing... <laughs> That's right, we were doing songs, that's right. We were, we, but you know what, I mean, I kind of- yeah, yeah, by all means. Oh, well, you know, I picked up on something you said and I kind of went off on a tangent and then you picked up that and, and ran with it. And that's awesome. I love when we can, you know, bring in other, other elements of, of music into this, you know? I mean, this, uh, the music that we love did not evolve and avoid. You know what I mean? There are all these influences that came before because now I really am rambling. I'm gonna cut that out um shall we move on (laughs) shall we move on to my number two yeah
2: sure so laurie Mm -hmm. what is it
0: okay so i chose i am which uh again it's from the soundtrack of the movie the avengers not marvel avengers all right this is the the british spy thriller adaptation um this was co-written with nick feldman from wang chung which i did not know Let's listen.
1: Peace of mind.
0: So, I know, Polly, this was on one of your lists, too. I think I fought you for this one, because you wanted this on your list. Why Why did you like this one?
2: Oh, I mean, it's it's got all those elements uh, that I talk about. Very high-paced. A little less heavy on melody than I like normally, but that uh, the horn section really makes up for that. I, I love... That deep, deep baritone delivery yeah. he gives on it, yeah. So you know, it's a, it's um, something we uh, we all know Suggs is capable of doing, but he doesn't really pull that trick out too often. So I don't know. I just I really like the song.
0: Yeah, I, I, the horns for me are my favorite part. I mean, that really just kind of carries it, and it's an interesting choice because if you were just you know ask somebody about the the 60s television show the avengers that this was based off of what kind of music would they associate with this i don't think that they would have chosen something with like such a heavy ska influence i could be wrong i could be wrong but i mean i associate that more with like the mod culture you know with mini skirts and the bright colors and it just it's an interesting choice But I mean, I think it works because it is so British and it really is. It really, it's a very, very British franchise, the Avengers. And it's a very British sounding song. You know, you're not going to hear anything like this over here. I'm sorry to say. All right, let's do our number ones. Polly, what's your number one?
2: Okay, so uh, my number one is Straight Banana. And why don't we give a quick listen?
1: Never ever see such a straight banana
2: And, and Lori, I'd like for you to go first and, and give your thoughts on <laughs> well, straight Banana.
0: I almost chose this as the intro song for this episode until I saw that it was on your list. And the reason that I, I wanted this is because I, I really felt it. it's almost, I don't want to say autobiographical, but I mean, it's that whole first person kind of, you know, the role that, that he's playing. And I think also it's, it's very representative of his, his songwriting style, you know, his, his, his sound. Why did you choose it?
2: You, you know, uh, not that we don't, or, or, or I don't repeat often what I like about songs. You know, I know what I like about it, but I just, uh, even decades ago, hearing this song, it just jumped out of me, just grabbed me. So I could name all the things. I could name them. But really, it's just like it it grabs hold of you and doesn't let you go. I mean, it's, it's funny. It's silly. You know, I just don't think there's anything not to like about it.
0: It's catchy. It's very catchy. It's got a nice hook.
2: And Lori, uh, what's your number one?
0: Well, man, I took this in a completely different direction than you did. Um, So we mentioned the uh, the movie on the edge of love, and Suggs played a crooner, and the song that he did in this movie was a cover of an old song by a guy named Al Bowley called "Hang Out the Stars in Indiana."
1: the stars in indiana up in the sky of midnight blue hang out the stars in indiana to light my way back home to you have every robin sing a love song a melody just meant for two For in my heart there'll be a love song A song I love to sing to you I'll put off finding things I sought for No wonder they were all denied The very happiness I fought for Was right back by your side so wait for me in Indiana And when the long, long day is through Hang out the stars in Indiana To light my way
0: back home to you See, I just love this! It is like this old big band kind of sound It's a classic, it's a throwback to another era. I, I know that um, Angelo Badalamenti, he he did a lot of the composition on this soundtrack, and I can feel his influence here as well. Th- this is my favorite thing that Suggs has ever done solo, bar none. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it, Polly, because you and I are from opposite ends of the musical spectrum here, so be gentle.
2: <laughs> uh No, no, no. I I actually like it. Um, I think uh, I like it with an asterisk. I love the idea that this is him doing it in a movie and he is playing a character and he's inhabiting that character. When somebody takes that out of that context and does it like to introduce a new phase um, in, their, in their career or something. I think I would use like, like Rod Stewart sings the great American songbook thing that he did a couple years ago as an example. Not that I was ever a huge fan of Rod Stewart, but when, when you do a hard stop break away from the genre and the style of stuff that you do, boy, you better do it really, really good. And it's very risky, and it often alienates fans. And, you know, so if that was a direction Suggs was going to go with as like the next phase of music he was putting out was going to be all this sort of Karuna sort of stuff, I would definitely not like it. You see it as a person playing a role in a movie, and I absolutely love
0: it. And see, I'm the exact opposite. I would love for him to do an entire album of like 30s, and 40s you know Glenn Miller type stuff I think it would be amazing but uh I can see where that would not appeal to a lot of the fans I I agree with you on that so wow okay so now we've hopefully over these past two episodes given our listeners a bit of an idea of who Suggs is and why he's so important to the band Madness
2: all right Lori. so we're very near the end of this episode and uh let's give the listeners out there an idea what we're going to do next time around so uh next time around it is going to be our friend Chaz smash uh we're going to talk a lot about him about his contribution to the band and other stuff he's done and i am super super looking forward to this and i know Lori, uh you've got nothing but love for Chaz, so oh yeah i know it's going to be a good one for you too
0: all right, so um, I'm going to close this episode with an unreleased track by Suggs. Uh, I came across this, uh, somebody gave this to me a few years ago. I don't want to say where I got it because I don't want to get anybody in trouble, but um, we wanted to give the listeners a chance to hear something, even, even our friends in the UK, something they might not have heard before. So this is a song called The Girl Who Truly Loves Herself. And on that note, thank you for listening. Uh, It's been another fun episode. So uh, goodbye from me.
2: And goodbye from me. Go get a beer, Stateside Madness, uh, with Suggs, if you can pull it off.